Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. This weekend, I will be in Enumclaw, Washington. Oh, baby. Never been there. Been near it. Uh, in Puyallup, at the Puyallup Fair, when I was in the seventh grade, 1995. My buddy Dwight Engel and I met these two cuties at a bar mitzvah. Asked them to meet us at the Puyallup Fair. No cell phones, no Uber. We waited for three hours for these gals to show up, and we didn't even get a makeout or to touch a boob. Still worth it, though. Memories. So I'm coming to Enumclaw uh, this weekend, Saturday, at the Chalet Theater. One show only, 8 p.m. I'm so fired up. The theater holds about 400, 500. So, hey, I know the population is maybe a thousand so look tell a friend tell a family member Enumclaw Chalet Theater Saturday 8 p.m. February 29th it's close to Seattle so if you live near uh the city make a trip down stay the weekend I'm sure there's a hotel in Enumclaw and if there's not fucking YOLO baby sleep on the streets and then next weekend I'm gonna be in San Francisco at my favorite comedy club in the world the Punchline March 4th through the 7th that's a Wednesday through Saturday Punchline Comedy Club San Francisco uh, recorded my album there Read the Room which you can go back and listen to and then come to the show and hear a brand new hour I can't wait I'm bringing my boy Jeremy Shockley to play some guitar do some improvised musical crowd work it's gonna be a lot of fun March 4th through the 7th Punchline San Francisco get all these tickets at adamraycomedy.com and then I've got other shows in LA uh I'm doing the uh, Kevin and Bean April Foolishness show on April 4th at the Microsoft Theater with Steve-O Jeff Garland Adam Carolla so come to that and uh and I think that's it we got a lot of great shows coming up like today's so let's do it I went to Men's Warehouse uh, yesterday to get um, fitted for this tux for the wedding or pick it up. And I don't know if this is only a Men's Warehouse type thing. Wait. Oh, you're not getting married right now, are you? Tomorrow, yeah. You oh, won't. do you want to come? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Worst invite ever. Oh, you must have gotten lost. In yeah, the, I you, forgot. You, you didn't get the paperless post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, my buddy from college and uh, the kids that were working at Men's Warehouse, it's not something I've ever thought about. But, but you know... You, Thinking about when does a uh, look? I started bagging groceries at Albertsons at fifteen, exactly. uh, which thank you, which felt young, but it was also Who books that hilarious. Uh, George Cottle, the uh, manager of Albertsons in, in Bothell, Washington. Uh, but these kids that were working at Men's Warehouse could not have been older than twelve years old. Yeah, they probably were seventeen and eighteen, but like they looked so young and out of place. One of them didn't smile the whole time. Brought me literally. Did all my measurements and then brought out the shit that I, I literally looked like I was like, remember in big. When I mean, it's he, your fault for going to men's warehouse. You have like 30 podcasts. You couldn't have gone to Hugo Boss. This is what this is where they told us to go. <laughs> oh, they it gave was us like, a code for the wedding. The code. Everyone okay. get the tux from men's warehouse. Where is it? Shots fired to my buddy. If you want to, <laughs> our shots fired cam is right there, Dan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, whoever's getting married tomorrow, you're fucking cheap. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think we had a sound effect budget. Yeah, yeah. I've been working with Michael Winslow. So. Oh, dude. I opened for him one time in New Hampshire. Go on. I opened up for him in New Hampshire at a college, and I was excited because it's Michael Winslow from Police Academy. Yes. And I went there. This is actually an insane story. I went there with my friend Luke, who was always high. And we got there, and they're like, um, "Michael Winslow is is here." And I was like, "Cool, could I go backstage?" He's like, "Yeah." So I go backstage, I see him, and I'm like, "Hey, Michael Winslow, the weirdest guy of all time, as you would assume." Yeah. But I was like, "Hi," and he goes, Mm-mm. and I was like, "Oh no, he's doing it already." <laughs> And then, and then they go, then someone like rushes in some student and is like, oh, M- Michael, um, we don't have your check. And then I'm serious. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? And, and, and it was just like making noises. And my friend who's high out of his mind is like losing his ship that the guy from police academy is just making weird noises. Communicating through sound effects. Was it a and, hidden and, camera prank and, show? No. And apparently he won't go on stage until he sees the check and puts it in his pocket. So they were like so frantic. So then they they ran they ran out to get his check. Um, and then they bring it back and and then he like he was doing the voices. Like I'm not joking. He, then he put his hand on his went and then opened the envelope and ching And I was like, what is going on? And then um you think he does that with women? Like, I don't know what that was. I think he's super I think he's super religious or something's going on. It was very weird. Then I went on stage and did, I don't know, 20 minutes of RA jokes. And then he went on to like a RA jokes. And then he went just like, you know, went insane. He he wears a wig, he does like electric guitar. It was pretty amazing the performance actually. But then on the way home, me and my buddy, my friend was high. Yeah. And we were talking about how crazy it was. And he starts smoking weed and we're driving. Um, and uh, basically we, we we see a Friendlies and he's like, we got to stop at Friendlies. And I'm like, let's do it. We start to pull over Friendlies. Sirens come on. A cop pulls us over and they, they, they like put it on the window. The window puts down. All the smoke comes out like fucking Cheech and Chong type smoke out of the window. And they're like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I was just doing a show uh, in New Hampshire with uh, Michael Winslow from Police Academy. You're a cop. You like Police Academy. Yeah. And they're like, you're driving the wrong way on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm not a good driver. I wasn't even high. But they pull us over and then my friend my friend is like he was just ridiculous. He's like, "Oh, we're not smoking weed." He's got like so much weed coming out. Of his mouth. He's got so much weed in his pocket. They're like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Well, should we should we frisk you?" And he's like, "You can frisk me. I got no weed." And then they basically frisked him. They they th- then he ended up getting a what does go to court? <laughs> what does a full frisk actually look like? Cuz in he my was on the the hood and I was sitting there being like Tell him you have weed. Yeah. What are you doing? He's going to find it. He's going to find it. He's a cop. Yeah. And then he's like, and I was like, are you sure, man? He's like, no, no weed on me. He's got like a pound of weed in his pants. I'm like, are you sure? And then I, the, the cop goes, let's call him the dogs. And then he goes, officer, I have weed in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the drug dog taking a bite out of crime. Yeah. And then uh, he had to go to court and we were, we were like in college. We had to, he had to pay some fine or something. I don't know. Sandy, you know something about uh, getting busted with pot. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you look back in retrospect and you're like, did I need to be driving around with that much of it yeah, ever? Also, not a big deal at all. No. So it's all. like... No, but how much did you have with you? I had like 30 different bags of it. I mean, but just, you know, because I was a sell? connoisseur. Did you sell it? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm legally supposed to say. Yeah, let's on move a on. Podcast. Do you still sell slacks though at Hagar's? <laughs> I sure do. Okay, let's talk about if that. If you could use some Hagar slacks, I've got seven different colors of khaki. 
And By the way, I, can you look into the cam and give a quick commercial for Hagar Slacks? Do you want to feel comfortable and look business casual? <laughs> do you want completely to never get laid out of again? date? <laughs> <laughs> never get laid again. Mark just slides in. Hey, <laughs> I'm here too. Who needs sex when you got Hagar's pants? <laughs> if you want to exclusively pay for sex, Hagar <laughs> Slacks. <laughs> Do you want your debit card to get declined at a brothel, but work at a cheesecake factory? Um, so uh, the show is so fucking good. Thank I knew you. it was going to be because I auditioned for it. You did. You were great. Boy, this is about to get awkward. And <laughs> You crushed it. Yeah. Um, but here's what's great about the business. First of all, for people that don't know, Dan, uh, you've been in the business like... I don't know. Like, what do you, when people ask me that, I'm like, well, I guess like as soon as I graduated college, I was in the business, but like, yeah, technically I guess, you know, I started doing comedy when I was 18, Yeah, you know, so I was in Boston at Dick Doherty's comedy vault. I wouldn't consider that the business, but it kind of was, yeah. you know, it's show business. Yes. So yeah. So like 1999, I started doing stand up. really is and when then, I really started like, you know, hitting the pavement with. Right. And you felt, do you think when you were hosting MTV Spring Break that that was when you were like okay now I've got my foot in the Hollywood door uh-huh right yeah but like that first TV credit has got to be the thing that does make you go like okay cool now I've got <clears throat> I think we can all test right it's what makes you go all right cool now I've like got a taste of oh what yeah this is and now I can amp up the uh, the work oh yeah like the, the first thing I ever got cast in was well yeah it was, it was it was your face or mine the game show yeah but then I remember I got cast in some sort of like ridiculous like VH1 semi-scripted show about girls like on Melrose. It was, some, it was, it was not a great show, God. but I was like, I booked it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy. It was like USC guy or something. And I was yeah. like, I can be the guy from USC. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You could be the guy from USC. It's Thank at least you. a good time. Yeah, also, you glossed over your face or mine. What, what is that? It sounds like, oh yeah. Like a serial killer show. <laughs> no, no, it was a, it was Day a dating porn. show. I, I was on like several shows on MTV for like five years that were on and canceled. So it was Your Face or Mine was a dating game show where you judge people's looks. Then I hosted the reality show, which was like American Idol for reality contestants, which actually is a really good premise. Yeah. I still think that would have been a good show. And it was what is is that also like a mental health evaluation? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pre all of that. It, it was definitely like I feel like those it wouldn't have survived in this time. Like Andy Dick was the host and he was basically oh getting me to every day. Yeah. And that was just what he did. <laughs> that was like that was his job. <laughs> One day I think he came into my office and was like, uh, not my office. I definitely have an office in that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, wait. He came into my corner. gigantic office with my desk and my phones. No, he came into my my, my small closet uh, dressing room and was like, uh, you want to suck each other's dicks? And I was like, uh, mom, <laughs> yeah, no. help me. So, um, but you know, he's. By the way, I am uh, a sucker for a good, uh, mom, <laughs> like just joke in general to get out of an awkward situation. Yeah. yeah. And then the same- yeah, Andy's like, yeah, I'll take one for your mom. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was a very weird. And that got canceled um, immediately. Yeah. You know, that, that was like four episodes canceled. And then I hosted Spring Break. Yeah. Uh, Pretty Dumb, I think it was called. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a show called. The titles were, you know, neither here nor there. It was yeah. the experience that I think. <laughs> Look, the, the Spring Break. And the Rock and Jock uh, sporting events, the Playboy Mansion and Spring Break were like the trifecta of I want to go there locations. Yes. For me as a kid, Disneyland was like somewhere a distant eighth or ninth. Yeah. Uh, Double Dare, the, just the set, not even to like participate, but just to see it live. So to be actually hosting at Spring Break. 
Yeah, I did think I was like, you know, this is MTV Spring Break. I remember fucking Pauly Shore hosting it, yeah. growing up all these people, you know. Dude, where was, where was dude, it? Dude, dude, you can't just bring up Pauly Shore and not and not what? <laughs> Pay homage. Is it homage or homage, Polly? What? <laughs> <laughs> Polly, can you did you ever give Dan advice about his Spring Break? Dude, yeah, cuz he's what? I don't know. Next in line. So I had to, you know, sit him down and say, "Look, dude, all you got to do is you got to be clean and you got to kill. That's it. That's the secret. How do you be clean at a spring break show? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Dude, because what? What? It's a whole thing. It's like da-da-da-da-da, right? <laughs> this is, yeah. This this incredibly incredibly accurate Pauly Shore reenactment is brought to you by Life. And Hagar Slash. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then, but I, but when I was there, I remember being like, "This is it, I'm spring break, here we go." And then it was just like not great. It was like kind of raining. Yeah. They kept on being like, "Cut, bring it back." Jib's broken. I was like, "Jib, we're live." They're like, "We're definitely not live." You're like, is just a fire fest? Everyone's like, "What is that?" <laughs> yeah. Give it ten years. They go, the gaffer has chlamydia. You know, yeah. can't well, the gaffer. <laughs> There's a gaffer on this shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, who Where was, was the who? This is how old I am. Who is the group that was like Eminem's group? D12. D12 from Detroit. They were the musical guest when I was hosting. Wow. Oh, I know cool. the one you're talking about. I know yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was a ridiculous time. Do things like that. And look, everyone always says like everything begets everything. Like you use you use everything, right? And uh, do you think that in creating the show, Indebted, now on NBC, mm -hmm. uh, Thursday nights. 9.30 after Will and Grace. 9.30 after Will and Grace. What a time slot, by the way. Come on. Ooh, good by the way, you're in the, like to have, first of all, so many questions. Yeah. To even have a sitcom on NBC is bonkers. Because yeah. To me, that is, <clears throat> and I know, <clears throat> you know, every network's got their own juggernaut program, but I always uh, associate NBC with like the guys who just figured out the sitcom and had the best ones. Yeah. Must For, see yeah. TV. Must see TV. Must see TV. Yeah. I mean, to have like just an NBC sitcom, like it's just, it's, it's totally surreal. It's yeah. definitely. Now you wrote on Whitney's. So that was like, that had to have been already like a, you know enough of a like wow i'm i'm at least i'm a part of one right? yeah exactly I and mean, when when he premiered we were on after the office so it, it definitely was like whoa this is Holy the real shit. deal and it was it, that was my first job ever in a in like a sitcom writer's room so right. it completely like changed the way i saw everything because i was still you it know wasn't your first writing job though was it it was my first like sitcom staff writing job. wow okay. yeah yeah because i did like some sketch stuff and everything <laughs> but that was like the first thing that i was like in um so that was fun but like do all those things the hosting gigs the little part like everything does it all in a weird indirect way like you know contribute and just add to the skill sets for uh creating and uh and running a show yeah because i feel like everything that i've done my entire career kind of led to this moment of being able to sort of like talk to these people know know what's funny you know control everyone and sort of like be in charge of like a, a production where like you know i think just jumping right into it i would have fully gone insane but i just have been like through the years have done so many different ridiculous things that like things you know i feel like i've said you know, when you're pitching a joke and or you're trying to break a story and it's late and it's tired and everyone's like exhausted, it's still not as bad yeah. as like having MapQuest to try to find a college in upstate New York <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're going to miss and they're not going to pay you, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's like I've been like through some like, you know, insane, like dark, like comedy shit. So it's like when you get to a point of like a, a crazy stress, it's like, it's still not as hard as like it was, right. you know? So you sort of, you build, you build that like callus. You do, know? You, do you think drunks versus highs helped you? Absolutely. For, for Drunks real? versus highs, you got to find it. <clears throat> no, we're going to, in I, fact, you know what? Let's cut to it right now. 
Hello, America. I'm Dan Levy, and you are watching Drunk vs. Highs, the only internet game show where we take a drunk guy and a high guy and have them compete in physical challenges. This is Drunk vs. Highs. So let's meet our contestants. To my left, the high guy. High guy, do you think you're gonna win? Yeah, I mean, probably. We'll see. <laughs> and to my right, the drunk guy. What have you been drinking? I've been, I've been drinking everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. These guys are fucked up. The first challenge is very simple. You're gonna walk across these battle teams and grab the red flag. The first person to grab the red flag wins. Just like Mario, bro. Let's kick a one, two. Wow, okay, well, looks like our drunk guy is consistently falling off the beam while our high guy is crawling slowly and giggling. He gets the flag! Our high guy wins this physical challenge! Congrats, Adam. You just won the beam. Uh, what are you thinking right now? Um, that beam was nuts. <laughs> Solid, okay, next. <laughs> okay. Our next challenge is also pretty damn simple. Our contestants are gonna jump on this trampoline, land in the foam pit, and grab the red flag. Let's kick a one, two! <laughs> oh, shit! That was a good, good, good jump right into the foam. He's taking a while. I'm honestly like moments away from having a mini panic attack. I believe I just heard him say he thinks he's having a panic attack. Wow, the drunk guy going through the foam like it's no one's business. He may have fallen asleep in the foam. He's got the flag. This guy is obliterated. He lost this round. How are you feeling? Terrible. And a little thirsty. I was like, I'm going to win. I'm going to victory. I'm going to forget about everybody. That doesn't make much sense, Cameron. Why would you want to forget about everyone? Here we are, last round, 1-1. One, one. This challenge will determine the winner. What is your strategy? I've been sharing with kids of play. What is your strategy? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just got super tired. Our last challenge is a doozy. Our contestants will run and jump over these obstacles, then crash through those thingies and grab the flag. All right, guys, on kick it one, two. Three, two, kick it one, two. Cameron, you won! You won! Whoa, oh, shit. What do you want to say? I just want to say to everybody that was believing in me, fuck you. Oh, man. This was a terrible idea. So that basically was... Dan will tell people how you came to create that. So, but it really, even though you're joking, it really was sort of like that sort of part of like my life, my career when I started like producing stuff is like kind of really what started leading me towards that stuff. I started doing like all these webbies, yeah. you know, I started doing stuff with Crackle, I had that show, Longest Relationship. That was the first time I started writing scripts, yeah. you know, it was like a digital series. And then that, then I got a thing at Comedy Central, which was like, I don't know what it was. It was like 10, you know, comedy uh 
sketches, shorts, yeah. shorts whatever, with Todd Schulson. Yeah. And then I did like another batch of Payment Benz. Yeah. You know, these guys who are yep. you know, awesome directors. Uh, didn't you do one with Tyler Spindell? Um, I didn't do Tyler one. was also doing it, maybe. I think he might have done one. I, he, yeah. he, he didn't direct this one, but he's, he, was, he, was, he was around there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that one was, we had this idea. It was an idea in college, actually, that was like to have a drunk, drunk, a drunk team and a high team compete. And then they would see who would win. Yeah. And then I tried to do it as a show, like with college humor, even before we did it, where I was like, this could be a funny show. And they were like, it seems like there's a lot of liability. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Man, it's good to be back. And you know what? The best part about being back is sharing the goodies with you, the fans. I love candles, okay? You know from listening to this podcast, we've always had candles living around the apartment. And now my new place... And um, I'm tired of buying the bullshit candles from the store. I want some personal touch. I want something handmade. So that's why I found Hangover Candle Company. That's right. Homemade by a bartender in Fort Collins, Colorado. He's a big comedy fan, podcast fan. Reached out. Said, I love the pod. Would love to send you some candles. I'm like, I'm not comfy giving you my address. He's like, come on, trust me. I was like, all right, let's roll the dice. Boom. Now I've got fucking 40 different flavors of Hangover Candle Company candles in my place. Um, They're... Cut, sanded, poured, packed, and shipped, all by him. Um, and you can choose from over 200 different containers, okay, to build your candle in. And over 40 different scents to create your own uh, smell. You can customize your own scent. Shit, man, they've got flavors like uh, fucking root beer, apple pie, cinnamon stick, coffee, fresh cut grass, uh, hazelnut, lavender, leather, maple syrup, peach, pine, sandalwood, spearmint, sea breeze, vanilla bean, watermelon. Go to Hangover Candle Co., uh, on Etsy, okay? Go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co. It'll pop up at the shop, and then pick your candles, and then use the promo code ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 25%! Hangover Candle Co. is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, but again, go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co., find the candles and the smells you want, create your own, and then use ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. I love candles. They're great for any occasions, bar mitzvahs, circumcisions, uh, fucking weddings, funerals, gender reveal parties, uh, divorce parties, uh, coming out parties, coming in parties, coming parties. These candles are the shit, and they're my fave, and I want you guys to have them. So type in Etsy.com, and then type in Hangover Candle Co., and, uh, and pick your candles and use ALN25 at checkout for 25% off. All right? Start smelling better. Start looking better. Start feeling better. Okay? Because everybody farts, and candles are a great way to get rid of that. And now back to the episode. You're like, what do you mean? And I was like, come on. You so then fucked up. We did it with, uh, you know, you and Todd and that dude Cameron. Cameron Fife, who directed The Bellman, which is coming to uh, hopefully Netflix and everywhere else in April. Sandy, you uh, had a part in The Bellman. You know Cameron. I know Cameron. So Cameron played the drunk guy, and I was the high guy in this. We went to a children's obstacle course at a- In like Van Nuys. In Van Nuys. Yeah. At like a young, like a, a, a kid's gym, mm -hmm. and competed in a like, in like gymnastic type stunts, where I, Dan calls me up, he's like, hey, do you want to get really uh, baked and do this like thing and compete in an obstacle course against a drunk guy? I'm like, yeah, you know, I was uh, going to go in today and- um, you know, host a Fear Factor live show at Universal Studios and probably get projectile vomited on in front of 1,200 kids. So, yeah, I'm down, dude. What time? And he's like, what'd you say? I think it was 10 a.m., but yeah. he's like, get there at 8. That'd be so great. I, like, you're, you're already late. You go, what? Yeah. <laughs> we started an hour ago. Yeah, go, yeah but I was asked to get high, so isn't that <laughs> dude, what I'm supposed to do? And it was like, thank God for college for getting baked at like a time before noon. So, but it was still very early. And it I remember- early. 
you guys kept being like, are you high enough? Are you high enough? <laughs> so at one point I was like, well, now that you mentioned it, not really, dude, because I heard everything you just said. And so he was like, well, like keep smoking weed. So, so took me to a car outside out front. I'd get really high and kids are like, walk by to go to like the gym next door. And I'm just like, <laughs> what's well, funny is like, I knew the office. I knew Adam from, from standup. So I was like, he'll be funny for sure. And then we're like, who could a drunk guy be? And someone recommended, recommended to Cameron. So I didn't even know him. Wow. So this dude just showed up and he's like, someone wants someone <laughs> me to be drunk. And I was like, perfect. Yeah. Drink this bottle. So he, but then he got so drunk and he blacked out that we got nervous that he died. That's what happened. I did a similar bit. But it was just tri- <laughs> it was just trivia. Drunk versus high. And I was drinking and I was like, I'll pretend like I'm getting real drunk. But I ended up drinking like most of the bottle. Oh, yeah. And blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy blacked out who he's great and he's directing now, but he blacked out and we couldn't, he wasn't calling us back. So I'm like, fuck this guy. I don't know. Die doing the, comedy central webby. Oh, the video ended with him. We, we did, we ran up and we jumped off a trampoline into like a foam pit and he just was quicker than me and he knocked down some pillars and I was too high and I fell over. I fell in the foam pit at one point, by the way, and felt like in labyrinth, you know, when, when she's falling through all those hands, yeah. I was like having a panic attack. I was like, you guys got to get me out of here, man. I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and Cameron knocks these things over, gets up, he wins, and then he just looks in the camera and goes, this is how the video ends, he goes, uh, uh, well, you saw it, he goes, uh, you know, uh, everybody fucking, you know, uh, doubted me, what was it? everyone who ever doubted me, fuck you, and the whole thing has been clean, by the way, and then he just falls over and Dan's like, this is not good, cut, <laughs> yeah. and then he wouldn't call you back. Yeah, I know. But then we Thank then God. we heard through people that he was okay, and clearly he's directing movies, so yeah, he's fine. Good. Yeah, he's cleaned himself up. Through people in his AA meetings? Like, his sponsor called me and said he's all right. It was totally insane, but I thank you for doing that. Well, so you're just, even you, yeah, of course, even you handling that set. So when I got to go to a taping um, of Indebted, uh, which, first of all, the live audience, like, there's so much about it that I think people don't see or take into um, consideration. But, like, I'm watching you, you know, co uh uh, created with with Doug and and well, I created Doug produces it with that's him. right yeah yeah and you're uh you're out there on the set like in between takes like just running the whole thing dude I mean there's a you know a, someone who's directing the episode but like it was a very like proud dad moment because I'm sitting there watching it and you're w- running out and you're just like really controlling like as soon as you walked on set everyone kind of turned to you to be like how was that was that good like what's <laughs> yeah, going yeah. on trusting you and then you're giving them new lines you're just discussing moments with them and it was like a real uh a real big dick moment dude it was but it was awesome because again and that's why i asked like how many of those things lead to you feeling that comfy to just and it's probably second nature now but i'm sitting there being like and even my my stepdad who who uh was with me he was just like he's like oh he's really just running the whole thing i was like yeah this is his show and he's like this is impressive and he's like watching you and he kept you know and he's so you know, out of Hollywood, but wants to be in. And yeah. always, every other week is pitching me a bad movie idea. I should just make one of them just to appease him and be, <laughs> and then, you know, just show him, see, this was a flop, you know? And, uh, but, but he was just, you know, really impressed. And it's, uh, it's an acquired skill set. Like being able to talk to actors. I mean, you're talking to Fran Drescher and Steven Weber. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole cast is dope, but those two are, you no, know, they're like le- sitcom legends. Yeah. And they've done like, you know, t- together they've done 800 episodes of a sitcom so in the beginning you know that's why the pilot when we first made the pilot it was a little bit intimidating because i didn't know them at all and i you know respected them so much and be like well you just maybe say it this way you know but then once we sort of got in a good rhythm it was great and like i trusted them and they trusted me and it was that trust takes a minute to build yeah yeah it's hard especially you know because they they've just done it forever you know um but it 
It totally worked but out. But they also seem like they will meet you halfway and be like, look, yeah. I want to set me up to win. So Yeah, like, everyone wants the show to be successful. So it all we're all like working together. And the cast, like, thank God, everyone like just like loved each other as, you know, together as like a real yeah. family. So it worked out. You can tell too the uh the the energy and the camaraderie on set and just on it it works on screen. And that this is what I wanted to say at the very beginning. So Adam Pally, who's phenomenal, I auditioned for that part. And first of all, you know, your buddy creates a show and you're like fucking good i hope you know i got i got a little bit of an in i just got to now do my part and crush it right yeah and then uh and then maybe you know there's you always hope for that like and i think people though do forget and now i've gotten it deep in enough into the business to know that like yeah you got to crush like you got to take care of what you can control but there are so many other factors that oh yeah and i remember early on if that had been like my fifth audition i would have been like dude i'm about to book a fucking sitcom because my buddy <laughs> it's his show you know yeah oh, yeah, that yeah. delusional where you're like all you gotta do is walk in and be like wink and then oh, right. I remember reading Greg Giraldo's sitcom that was like uh, took place at the Comedy Cellar in like 2004 or whatever that 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 his pilot was, and the there was like a young comic, 23, named Dan, like super um super energetic, like annoying, and I was like, this is fucking me. I'm casting a sitcom, yeah. and then I found out later it was like written for Kevin Hart. Yeah. <laughs> same guy, the same guy, same energy. But I was like, you know, yeah, you 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 get in those zones where you're like, this is totally it but there's so many now going through it like all the way through like you realize you hear the stories all the time there's that great movie the tv set that sort of like documents like, I love it how it goes yeah. but like when you're in it and you're like i can't believe i'm like having to have conference calls about like famous actors <laughs> like it's it's just so crazy that everyone so many people have opinions and different things and it's like it's so like being good in the audition, which you obviously were like, that is like, you have to do that or else it's like not, you can't even get close no. to them, to other people saying no. Well, I remember walking you know? in and feeling way at ease because you were there and you also did a beautiful thing where you like set me up like for stories and jokes. And I feel like I'm pretty good at like the in-room banter pre-read, yeah. which you tell me and for actors watching and listening, like how much does that because I've, I've been told sometimes, like, just come in and do the shit and get out and be good and let that speak for itself. But then, you know, as comics, we're all like, hey, like, it's part of our thing is to connect with people and, and have an edge and be able to really work a room. So you're like, I should do that a little bit. Yeah. And knowing you and, and Doug seemed real chill and it was a real comfortable setting. And, and, and it was a part that, you know, we all audition. It's like there's a handful of, of things that come along where you're like, oh, this is me. I can do this in my sleep, but I also know... It's, it's playing to my strengths comedically. I'm this guy. It's a Jewish guy. He lives with his folks. Like it's all these things that you can get, yeah. you know, into without having to do too much. And so I was fired up for that reason. And, uh, but I, in, in the pre-read talking and joking in my head, I was like, oh fuck, like less is more, but like Doug was no, laughing. It was, and no, I'm like, it was good. I, I think it, it uh, I think as long as you're good, as long as you're prepared, then you could do, then it's great to be funny. Yeah. It only helps, you know? I mean, when I was auditioning, I remember I would like get callbacks because I was just only funny and I didn't know the lines. And now I think, link back and be like, God damn it. Why was I so irresponsible? Yeah. <laughs> because that was frustrating. There's, there are people who audition who are like super funny people, but if you don't know the lines, you can't tell if they're going to be good. And all, and all I could do is take the tape to the other people because I can't make the decision, you know? So it's, that's why it was great. Cause then, then you leave, everyone's like, oh, he's great. He's so funny. And he was good. Yeah. Whereas sometimes it's like, we can't can't like we can't tell an executive like yeah but this guy's got this great story about hanging out in fucking i don't know <laughs> alabama it's like no one cares yeah yeah is that does that happen with big actors where they come in and you're just like wow you're not prepared this is crazy yeah well sometimes you have to have just meetings where like they won't even like they won't have uh 
like like some of the older actors sometimes like they won't have like auditions so you just have to meet them and sort of a weird thing where you're like i mean they seem cool but like now you just have to like hope that they're you know trust that they could do it yeah exactly dude yeah i'm meeting on, i'm offer only you're offer only oh, really? yeah, yeah dude do you think you could write a I'm part still for Polly? mine for mine for definitely Polly, could you be a, a long lost family member on unindebted yeah dude <laughs> that'd be me great. and fran drescher we you know we used to hang out Oh my God! Can you imagine? Actually, Polly is like friends. We like have similar bro. voices, right? She she based her voice in the nanny off my mom. <laughs> uh, did um okay? So the process once you, I remember uh, you telling me that you sold it. That was insane, right? Yeah, yeah. That's one big like hoop and celebration, right? Where you're like, I fucking and then yeah. What's that night like? What do you do that night when you sell a show? Great question. That night, you're. I feel like you're like relieved and you're happy and you sort of celebrate. You know, the the, the I was based say, on your life, based on my life. So that was super exciting, especially because that pitching this show was because I pitched obviously a lot of shows, but this this was like a, and sold and sold. Yeah, but this this was you know a difficult thing because it, it dealt with sort of you know you know people not having money. Some some people felt it was too sad at some point, so I had to like I was like rebreaking the pitch and rewriting it and then we went to NBC last and they're like let's do this and it was so great. So I was so excited, but the best moment probably was when it got picked up to pilot because that is so exciting. Yes. Cuz you get you you're making a show, you're but you're not like making episodes yet. You're just making a show, you've got to cast people. It's frustrating, but just that that phone call is great, you know. Who, who calls you? Your agent or it's no, it's actually like the studio calls Doug and then the network kind of calls you. So you uh, kind of have like a double heads up. Did you cry? I didn't cry, but I was so, so fucking pumped. Yeah. What did you mean, do? Did you, did you go drink? Did I you... was actually still riding the Goldbergs. So I was like in my office at the Goldbergs and I was like, fuck yeah. And oh. I was like, I got picked up. And everyone was so excited. Did you, so did you quit the Goldbergs on spot? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Jerry Maguire status? <laughs> yeah, no, I had to wait to find out what the schedule was because yeah. I didn't want to be like, peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so I basically worked there until it um, until I couldn't. The Goldbergs had uh, to also been great prep for just yeah. what you're doing now, yeah? Goldbergs was was a, was great because it was a job. All Like the other sitcom, sitcom jobs were Whitney and John Mulaney show and they were like my my good friends and I was writing on the show and they brought me on because you know they love me and yeah. they like me and and Adam Goldberg hired me purely was just like I don't know you but you're funny you're a good writer come wow. on the show so I was just sort of like a hired gun on the Goldbergs That's for like jokes and stuff right? and it was it, it was just a different experience because also yeah. I came into the show and it was a hit so I was sort of like inside like a hit network show which I never so that gives Stop. you cachet in then trying to go out and sell the show again. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of pe a lot of when you're pitching networks, they're like, we are looking for our Goldbergs. You know, not not that my show is like necessarily like the Goldbergs, the Goldbergs is Daniel Cameron, you know, has a lot of other stuff to it too. But like I wrote on two episodes of Mystery Science Theater's reboot. I don't think I could go in and sell like another CSI. You know? <laughs> you never know. You're right. You never know. <laughs> you're right. I sound like my mom. <laughs> you never know. No. I mean, look at you know, Mick Benicourt. Yes. Of course. Look oh, at Mick. Yeah. I did premium blend with Mick. Now he is like the executive producer of Law & Order. What the fuck? Yeah. He's, he, Mick, Mick you is. You hear that, kids? Yeah. Mick is uh, an amazing, amazing story. Uh, so, so your folks, were they fired up? And give people uh, a quick, just a premise of the show. So the show is basically about a bunch of baby boomers who did not plan for their retirement and they have to end up living, moving in with their, their son and his wife and his two young kids. So it's kind of based on my parents because- 
after seeing my parents a year ago, I was sort of asking them like, hey, like, what is your plan? You know, because like, you know, we, we didn't grow up what like a bold move to ask you folks like, what's your deal now? Well, because, <laughs> I'm, like, because I'm thinking about my past and I'm like, well, I, I, I they're not rich. So like, so they're not going to be able to like kick it. You know what I mean? So like, what is their plan? And my mom was like, we'll move to California. And I was like, OK, where? She's like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. And <laughs> yeah. then I sort of realized, but it's not really just them. It's a lot of like baby boomers. They just didn't plan for their retirement. They made some money in the 80s and they kind of spent it. They didn't like really, at least like my parents and their friends, like no one like, they all, they're all from Brooklyn and New York. Like no one thought like, let's buy an apartment building for $5,000. <laughs> they were like, let's buy leather jackets. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and Oxycontin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got two words for you. Reverse mortgage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I was sort of talking to them about like, you know, putting together like a plan and like long-term healthcare is like, and this is all boring shit, but like long-term healthcare is like a big thing because if you don't have it, I don't, I don't know what your parents' situation, your mom's situation is, but you know, you could end up having to take care of like your parents when they're sick and old and it's right. actually create it drains people who even have money yeah so this was the part of the pitch i took out because it's sad yeah oh, i was getting <laughs> yeah. ready to cry yeah <laughs> I was like, so you but there's what you know so you just basically want to uh you know figure out ways to like make sure that doesn't happen right but while doing this having this conversation that was funny i was like this could be a good idea for a show because i wrote a show the year before which was based on sort of like me having babies based on like my all the comedy i wrote in my special line yeah. special and it was it was funny and it was for a but didn't really I feel like it didn't have enough of a hook you know because it was more just like a fam about a family yes. so I felt like this was a great way into the show and that's kind of how it is it. I don't feel like we've ever seen it yeah so here we are uh so it is um first of all uh you should make them sit at a, like a kid's table during Thanksgiving like there's a parent's table you remember the kid's table yeah like it's like plastic chairs you know the parent table's over there I'll <laughs> <laughs> be the first episode of season two <laughs> uh you gave um you got my my sweet girlfriend Amanda a oh. interview, and which she was got big, the job, which was big time. And Amanda uh, made everyone look bad because she was so good at her job. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Every all, all you know. First of all, how is that? I want to just hear. Well, thank you. And and she loved it. And it's like, you know, just wanting to be in this world was such a dream of hers. And and uh, you know, she'd been dabbling with the script supervisor stuff, and and then she was like, you know working at this restaurant and just, and crushing it there. But like, you know, the restaurant world can get such a negative polluted energy depending on who you're working with. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, um, you know, I worked two days at Fleming's and, uh, and the, the, the cast and crew was awesome, but, uh, there was cast one guy and crew. You're in the Hollywood world, the cast and crew, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the cast and crew, <laughs> in the back waiters in the, in the buses. You got it. And, uh, and, uh, I had a panic attack over the, uh, the right way to cut a butter square. And I was like, this is not the job for me. Yeah. I worked at CPK as, um, the to go guy and I just couldn't ever figure out the change. <laughs> I got fired. Simple math. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, so she getting a chance to be on set and around there and, you know, you getting her, the interview was a big deal. And then I, I was like, look, nothing's guaranteed. And this is what I want to ask too. Like, I'm sure you get people now and especially even more so like having the success where people are like, yo, my nephew's coming out or he's getting ready to move or he just graduated. Can you throw a bone? And you always want to try to, to help when you can. So even the fact that you got her that, and then I was like, look, you got to go get this job. But you know, I, I, uh, I trusted that she would. And once she got there, I was like, man, I hope she can just get her foot there and, and, and she is and they brought her. on to another show right now yeah time, one day at a time yeah yeah she's crushing but what is it uh was there a little trepidation on your part of like 
you know, Adam's my boy. Like, I'm going to help him out. Like, I, I don't think you'd even met Amanda yet. You met her no. at the improv, I think, after you'd forward her stuff along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But still not enough to really go, all right, is this like... So then once she got there and started doing her thing, were you like, all right, thank God. Now I don't have to uh, delete Adam's yeah, like, number from my God phone. Yeah, thank God you didn't break up with her and she went crazy and stabbed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would have been the other side of it. There's what? time. There's season two. <laughs> There's season two. What, uh, what did she do that was like, and this is because I also just dig this for like people that are getting on to shows. Like, what did she do that really like impressed you or that was? She was, just, you know, obviously she was working in with like the PAs and the writers PAs and stuff. And, you know, those jobs are, are tough you know you have to con you're constantly like long hours grinding and I, yeah and i think she just like stepped up and was just doing things without people asking and, and a lot of times you're always asking people to do stuff and one day everyone's like why is this so organized and i was like thanks to, to the to the guy and he's like oh it wasn't me <laughs> we're like amanda thank and then you you look over in the corner and she's like get with me yeah, yeah. exactly she was great <laughs> yeah, so everyone yeah. everyone's like man is really good <laughs> oh that's great i like that guy the slacker with integrity though you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, <"That's> <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he could use a pair of Hagar. <laughs> okay, so uh, now you just finished a post on the show. Yeah, I've just I finished two days ago. I'm officially like done. First of all, what was that like to watch the season premiere? I mean, that's again we talked about selling the show. Like we've all been on TV in some in some uh, in some films, been cut out of some films. Mm -hmm. uh, what uh, I'm not better, but what uh, <laughs> what is it like to then take me to the first day on set? when you're, you know, like your words are now getting delivered. You've got the live audience. Everyone comes out. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is overwhelming. I'd say, unfortunately, it's so much work that you're so stressed. So there's only like, I, I try, my wife's always like, you gotta appreciate what's going on. And you try so to. So easier said than done. It's so dude. much easier. But there was one moment when it was actually, we had to like rewrite a scene. It was kind of stressful. And we're writing it in sort of like the den on the set. And you sort of like look, I just like looked around. I was like, this is so awesome. I'm on this giant stage, you know, because of this like pitch I had in August, you know, and now there's like all these people who are making this show and it's so funny. And it was like, it was, it was great. It was an awesome moment. And then last night, honestly, the first, when it premiered, I had all the writers over and we watched it together. Yeah. So that was fun. But I was still like so nervous and it was like, you know, the reviews are coming out and the ratings and the people are just, there's so much. Do you pay attention to that stuff? Uh, I like kind of You pay attention to like the family reviews. What's more harsh? The family and friend reviews or the real Hollywood reviews? I would say like, you know, the, some of the reviews, the reviews are harsh, you know, cause people are just like, you know, it's like, guys, I've been working on this for a year and a half. Yeah, they also don't fucking know. They don't fuck. They don't know. Them. Yeah, but, I know. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. And, but family, I think can be so supportive. Go ahead. Dude, don't listen to the critics. <laughs> <laughs> what about the show? The critic? <laughs> It stinks. <laughs> One of the best shows ever. I know. Paul, what, what was the reviews on Encino Man? Dude, the Encino Man reviews were good, heartfelt. You know, people liked it. Don't ask me about the reviews of Jury Duty. How are the reviews on Jury Duty? Jerry's, Jerry's out. not out. <laughs> <laughs> but I am doing Jury Duty 2 3D. <laughs> I think family can be so supportive and in the same light. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, so unnecessarily honest. Yeah, no, they, they love, I mean, every, all my friends and family. Of course. Are like, obviously. Are it is it. fucking great, dude. And I, and I oh, uh, again, you, I, I don't bullshit. Like, if I don't, if I don't like something that a, a friend has worked really hard and done, like I just will kind of try to not say anything because, yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I can't like uh, my family gave me up, gave me up for adoption at 33 years old. They just okay. Cut that out, <laughs> cut, cut, cut that out with Adam's engagement thing, please. <laughs> you had to say that for it to get cut out. That was yeah. so. Funny. No, when when you do say that, you gotta go so up good. an octave. Like, oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Job. Yeah, but good it's job. also again, I I haven't. The sitcom thing is so tough to um, 
And it's again, hard. It's like, look, I mean, we're, we're, we're in a world now, you know, it's almost like I'm doing the opposite of what everyone's doing in a way where it's yeah. like I'm doing like a NBC 930 Thursdays multicam yeah. with Fran Drescher in front of a live audience. Yeah. And it's like amazing. But it's like the opposite of everything that people are doing, like, you know, six episodes on Amazon or, you know, these sort of like edgier shows. It's like that. But that but that's also what I wanted to do. And I'm sort of like embracing that. Like oh, when, yeah. when the reviews are like, this seems broad and, and like an old school sitcom. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, like one review was like, hey, uh, this live audience is laughing too loud. And I'm like, sorry, they're excited to see Fran Drescher. It's like, we're not, we're we're not changing. Like you were there. Like I've worked on sitcoms where sometimes you just have like an off night. But the difference with this show is that, you know, Fran is just like an icon. So people just come for her. So we actually have to take stuff out because sometimes it feels like almost too nuts where like she'll come out in a dress and they'll be like, woo, Fran. And we're like, guys. Come on, it's not married with children. Well, in my defense, <laughs> I'd never seen Fran Drescher live. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh, look at you. Yeah, same uh, with Richard Kind. Richard Kind was in uh, legends, a bunch. Yes. I mean, he is just the funniest fucking he person. He really is one of the most underrated comedic actors of all time. Oh, I, mean, I think he gets his his due cred, but uh, his... just crushes it. And is always like, can I do it differently? Do you want me to do it differently? <laughs> yeah. I'll do it the same. Yeah. Different. Different, but the same. I got it. Let's roll. We're rolling. Here it is. Got you. Got it. Yeah, I know. It, it, there was he has this whole monologue in the finale episode about giving Fran his his house in Boca, and uh, and talk and he's talking about the woman who died, the hundred three year old aunt, and he's like, she's a good. Per- I forget the exact lines, but she's a good person. She she gave. She's such a good person. She would give uh, her oxycotton to her nurses and me. <laughs> <laughs> And and he kept saying he didn't want to say and me and I was like then don't say it and then he kept saying and me and it was crushing <laughs> yeah but he's amazing you guys but found- when, oh go ahead when he came out the audience would go crazy because they were so excited to see him which is even funnier so we had to like you know we 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 had, we had to like take that out because it's also you only have twenty one minutes so we have to like you forget that yeah it's so it's so crazy well you have found a great way to edge it up with like blurring out some nudity and like bl- some curse word I've never seen an NBC sitcom. Where they curse. Blur out a curt like a what the fuck? Like Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. And guess what, man? That that adds to it. Like that makes me like <clears throat> as a thirty seven year old male want to be like, fuck yeah, dude. Like I want every and look, now nowadays, like you said, like people want a little a little more uh, edge to their fluff, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> who's edge up the fluff? Edge whose their, slogan was that? Was that Peeps? Was that the slogan for Peeps? An edge yeah. to their fluff. That should be on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Indebted. A true edge to its fluff. Adam Ray. <laughs> That was my high school year. Proposing before. next week. Yeah. <laughs> Tell everyone. <laughs> uh, Sandy, what are you going to say? I was going to say, as Danny DeVito, those are words how I describe myself. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought you only edge to my, short. Edge to my fluff. Yeah. I was trying to throw something in. We'll cut this out with the engagement <laughs> stuff. How, do, how does Rhea Perlman, uh, your wife, handle it? My wife, Rhea Perlman, she wants me to get on a three camera sitcom because it's more wholesome. They got divorced. You're divorced. We're, You're back, ba- we're back together. <laughs> okay. Why'd you get divorced? I had a wandering eye. And re- <laughs> my wife, Rhea Perlman, didn't appreciate it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Cut. Um, okay. So uh, you've gotten to do a lot of cool press from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, this show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went uh, You went on Mark Maron, which is really cool. Yeah. Mark What's his garage like? It was, uh, th- well, you know, he's renovating the garage. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, in his house. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, you know, 
on, on on the east side. It was sort of it was it was honestly everything I wanted it to be. It was because once we started talking, he would he'd be like. Yeah, that's why, that's, see that, now we're getting into it. That's why I resent you, because you were doing those MTV things that I wouldn't want to do, but I was mad that I yeah, wouldn't do it. Yeah, he said that. That was a <laughs> very classic man thing. Yeah, he said he didn't want to do it, but he was mad that you were doing it, even though <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was, I really, it was It was awesome, and he was so great. I like, I love the intro. And- do you like doing that stuff? Because that's a cool thing, and I was pumped to see that you were a part of, like, doing things like that, and with Adam to help push the show, because it's like, yeah, dude, you're good at that stuff, too, and it's yeah. your show, like, why shouldn't, because sometimes you'll see people that are at the helm of a show and they're like, I'm going to fucking promote it. And you're like, that's a bad idea because you're not good on camera. But <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You have all those skills. So yeah, I'm just trying. I just want people to see it. And I figured like, you know, well, this is the time. I mean, it's got, you know, it's my how, show. How uh, are your uh, kids digging just being a part of all this? They love it. I mean, they were there. What's weird is, you know, I grew up in Connecticut, like not involved in show business at all. So it's weird for them to be like, I love the Sony lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but they just associate like the show with treats because they know like the craft service has like Laffy Taffy's and the writers room has Airheads, so they're like, I want to go to the writers room. <laughs> How old so, are your kids? Uh, seven and five. How long have you known them? I've known them for a few years. Okay, cool. <laughs> but they, <laughs> but they are um uh, yeah, so they, they're loving. Fired it. up about they're it. fired up. Yeah, they, they they like when the kids. It's funny because they like when the, the kids are on the show because yeah. the kids are based on them but i keep on i haven't really broken to them that like we realize quickly that we can't have kids on the show because it's just a pain they ass to work on their schedule <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the stories aren't really about the kids so they're only really in like three episodes so they're like when when's the episode with the uh, anders and i'm like uh it's coming up <laughs> yeah, go to bed <clears throat> isn't your birthday tomorrow yeah. um so, well the show's uh thursday 9 30 yes after will and grace yeah yeah um we, uh, do you have time for a quick little segment we do on the show? Absolutely. Great. It's now time for a segment we uh, do on the show where we explore the uh, the insane news stories of the world that, uh, that not everybody knows about, Dan, in a segment we call, Wait, uh, what, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and for our internet villain of the week, we got, I'm sure people have seen this, but I want you guys' response on it. Oh, this, Th- guy. this guy. I know that's <laughs> Have you seen that's this how you refer to this go this guy. Yeah, this guy has been uh just is there yeah. People take sides on it too. Like I, I to me it's this is pretty well, like, cut say, and dry. Yeah. The Delta CEO well, came out today and said that people should ask permission to recline their chairs. He needs to be fired. and it was met with a lot of Twitter scorn. <laughs> well, here's my question. Like I, I don't understand, like it. He he's punching the back of the seat, right? Everyone, I, I know I'm I'm against this guy, but like, what, yeah. I I also can't tell what what exactly he's doing. He's punching it. He's like vibrating it, but it's just like passive aggressive. And then I saw him look up. This is a, probably a shorter clip than the one that's probably you know catching even more uh, buzz. But he was, and the one I saw, he was like saying stuff. He would look up from hitting, and then he'd be like, "So I think he was he was pissed that he got the last seat on the plane." Definitely set this up next time. Uh, he, uh, what happened again? Yeah, he has he, his seat doesn't recline. I like this segment. Yeah. His, seat, his seat doesn't recline. Hers does. He's mad, so he's punching the back seat. It's dry. The seat reclines. You can recline your seat. To me, yeah. it's like that's this is on the airline. They don't also, want responsibility for sure. And also, you got like the last seat. It's part of the last seat. Yeah, like it's this is all. Yeah. You got the last seat. Like if you get the last 
you know, um, if you're the last one in line for lunch because you were late for whatever reason, this like, is the airline's you get the fault. bullshit food, huh? This is the airline's fault. They cram too many seats. You have less room, and people are getting frustrated because I'm not going to turn around and ask for permission. This well, isn't a sexual. It's his act. fault. You don't. You, it's being a person. It's like right. I'm sorry. You're in the last row. You sit like this. You can't just fucking can I not like that poor lady. Yeah. Oh yeah, I By love the way. people like this too. You go make enough money to fly a private jet. Or shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You're in public. It's like people get mad at the line, line in the security line. They get mad at you that you're not moving quick enough. You go, I'm sorry, is this your airport? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Hey guys, it's Adam Ray taking a quick break from the podcast to tell you about BetterHelp. Now look, life is full of ups and downs. There's always something that can get in the way of our happiness and you need some way to talk to, right? I know for me, with my own issues in life, uh, whether it's career-oriented, family drama, having somebody to talk to helps. And I don't feel like burdening friends uh, or significant others with that info, okay? You need somebody with a neutral playing field and someone with a clean slate to come in and listen to what's going on with you. And that's what BetterHelp is for. I've used them. They're phenomenal. What they are, okay, is um, is a online counseling resource, okay? Video chatting, texting. <clears throat> it's basically connecting with a professional counselor. Um, again, somebody that uh, is unbiased and coming in uh, that is a, uh, a professional to help guide you with whatever's going on in your life. Uh, privately online, okay, so it's convenient. You can do it at your own schedule, all right, at your, out of your own home, which is great. A lot of these places, you know, you need to go somewhere. It, it takes time out of your day. Maybe it's too far away to go to where you really want to get to. This is out of the comfort of your own home. Uh, you can schedule a video or phone session plus chat and text with your therapist uh, who are all licensed and specialized in things like depression, stress, uh, anger, uh, LGBT matters, grief, relationships, sleeping, trauma, uh, anxiety, uh, family conflicts. I know I've dealt with a lot of that in the last few years. Anything you share with them is confidential. Uh, it truly is a, a pretty phenomenal uh, resource that they've created. And these counselors, um, there's over 3,000 uh, U.S. licensed therapists uh, across all 50 states. And uh, four communication modes, again, text, chat, phone, and video. <clears throat> If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, um, request a new one. No additional charge because it's all about finding somebody that relates to you, you feel comfortable with uh, sharing the info that uh, you'd like to get some help on. Uh, it's available on desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps. Schedule your video and phone sessions generally a week out, um, which is you know great. I think that's enough time for everybody to get their shit in order. Uh, and there's a broad expertise in the network, which um, may not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify, which is huge. Uh, again, it's secure, convenient, professional, and, um, and affordable, uh, which is kind of the biggest thing. A lot of people can't scrounge together the, uh, the, the coin to, to get, even get this type of help, but it's super affordable. And best of all, right now, Alien listeners, that's right, you guys, if you need help, you need somebody to talk to in any of those areas I mentioned, depressed, stress, sleeping, trauma, family, uh, anxiety, um, go to betterhelp.com slash about last night uh, and simply fill out a question there and uh, you can get 10% off uh, your uh, your order. That's, that's huge. Betterhelp.com slash about last night. <clears throat> fill out the questionnaire that helps them assess what kind of help you need and what kind of counselor you're going to love and uh, and start getting the help that uh, that we all deserve. That's betterhelp.com slash about last night to get 10% off your first order um, and start connecting and living better, you know, because that's what it's all about. All right. Back to the episode. What is this? For people who get mad that you brought your kids, it's like, yeah, when you can fly private, then you can complain. What do you yeah. do now? Airplane etiquette. Is also, something- those people are the most annoying because it's like, do you know how 
it's way worse for the parents with their kids than the fucking person next to them. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that they spilled their fucking goldfish on your feet. We fucking live with them. This is our goddamn life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I first, there was an article that came out like when we first had kids that was about like, uh, if you go on planes, you know, be nice to your passengers, bring bring a snack no. bag. And we did. Like Rachel fucking packed like a bag with like, we brought like a, you know, a shot of vodka or whatever and like a cookie and we're like, I'm so sorry, here you go. And then there was another article that was like, whoever wrote this fucking Article's a goddamn idiot. <laughs> fuck these people. And then Rachel's like, "Yeah, fuck these people." I agree with Rachel. It's like yeah. everyone's she's a baby yelling, once. She'll yeah. yell, but Good. like if this is what what's crazy to me is that he's so lucky that this woman is just like being there, like taking it. I I don't know a, a lot of like like if that was like my wife, she would have just like choked him out and stabbed him with a pen. <laughs> oh, I just yeah. feel like, and that's by the way, a a an acceptable response. Yes, like, this gal's just I mean stoic and just taping it for probably knowing that this is she looks. He looks worse by her. Yeah, not. they find they actually get his face. Yeah, he looks up. You can see him. He looks like the guy that would do this. Is is there like what what's going on with him? Are people like m- m- remember the dentist who killed the lion? Yes, and they just like t- like people social social justice. I don't know. I'm laughing. Yeah, but they like sprayed his garage in Florida like lion killer and like he had to stop <laughs> being a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like whatever whatever this guy's job is like it's going to be this is the this is what happens like you can't be a fucking asshole anymore because this guy probably has a job and he's probably going to go to work on Monday and they're like sorry you're like the asshole from the plane <laughs> can't be a lawyer anymore it's My like, name's Rob no, <laughs> now you're no. you're AOP now yeah they they, they spray painted your apartment building <laughs> asshole from the plane so yeah. your life is officially over it's done that's one of the pros and cons of uh of of people having you know recording, there should uh, be a social justice court too, where they go, "You're suspended from the break room for two weeks at work. <laughs> yeah. you, go, you're like, you can't go in there. You can't use the microwave. You get cold coffee. <laughs> you get the very end of every sort of snack. There is something about the airplane and people feeling like because they're like, there's no like rules and etiquette has been kind of thrown out the window. Like I was on a flight two weeks ago and I brought on a tuna sandwich and it wasn't, mm. and I know you hear that no. and you go, oh, stinky no. sandwich alert. No, no, wasn't at all. It was a very tame, mild tuna fragrance. It was an ahi. Yeah, maybe. Oh, it was, it was a little, I don't know if it was ahi. It was okay. a little nicer though than just one you get at like, it wasn't like Wolfgang Puck, but it wasn't like the stop and go market, you know, like where you're like, like this is not food. It was Abba Pong. <laughs> <laughs> you ever go to Abba Pong? I always go to Abba Pong airport. <laughs> airports. Abba Pong, you get the tuna with the cheese wrap. Every time I've been on a plane, I would have an Abba Pong all, every time. It might have been Abba Pong. It, uh, <laughs> it was pretty good, but it did not reek the way that she was responding to. She's an old British lady, right? And I'm sitting in the middle seat. First of all, immediately some gal next to me takes out wipes, starts wiping down her tray table goes handy wipe and she's wearing the mask and i'm like you're really gonna wear the mask huh she's like coronavirus i go yeah but just get the virus you look like that you know and uh, making a joke and then uh, and then her husband goes hey the mask actually doesn't do anything sweetheart she's like i think it does and like now i'm in the middle of them just fighting about the coronavirus so then i wipe down my thing she goes and then halfway through she takes it off she goes you're right it doesn't do any, anything she's like but the wiping down washing your hands that actually does help that does so then we're sitting there and i'm eating my sandwich ate about half and i put it back in the little um plastic tupperware thing so the smell is being contained this woman now i can just feel her turning around looking at me through the seat right she's in the window i'm in the middle she's just looking at me through the crack and all of a sudden i just look up and she's like she's like doing this she's like doing this with her finger like to try to get my attention so i'm like yeah can i help you she goes are you done with your sandwich and i go uh i mean you know done with half it's down there she's like you gotta put uh, you gotta put it away please i go why she's like it just smells awful just dreadful i go 
Yeah, well, you know, it's actually, now I'm, I'm actually a little offended because I picked that sandwich. And so I think it yeah. smells quite delicious. But I go, I'm sorry that it smells good. You have to, are you done with it? Can you throw it away? I'll put it in the overhead compartment. I'm like, I'm definitely not going to put my sandwich in the overhead compartment by itself just to get jostled around and squished by somebody's purse. And she's like, well, you got to throw it away. I'm like, it's not going to happen. I go, I got half down here. And, and I go, also, we're in coach, lady. I don't think you can tell other people in coach what to do with their food. I'm saying all this. I have not slept. And so, uh, and so then uh, a flight attendant comes over. She, she uh, calls him down. And I got my headphones on and I see her going and pointing to me. And then all of a sudden I just see him go and he goes, sir, sir. And I get my, so I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, are you done with your sandwich? And I go, no. And he goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just very begrudgingly like I tried like, hey, yeah. this bitch tried to get me to get you to put your sandwich in the overhead bin. I asked. All good. Do your, do your thing. Plausible you know? deniability. That's what that's called. But like the fact that she was telling me, I was like. Even in first class, I don't think people tell each other what to do up there. Like, you know, put your the feet down thing, I think. Like, have you ever had somebody on a flight do something where you're like, all right, this is this is not acceptable behavior? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel Porn like, on the phone seems like a no-no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was on a flight one time where we lost um, oxygen in the cabin. And uh, we were I was flying from uh, Chicago to... I was supposed to go to Toronto. I was, I was, no, no, Chicago to Boston. And... Um, and I was and I was like tired, and I took a bunch of Advil PM just to try to sleep for three hours. You know, hell yeah, that's always cool. And I was, <laughs> so I was like, I'll feel good enough. In, in, in is that a dad hours. drug, Advil PM? This was like, <laughs> oh, this is pre dad. This is pre dad. Okay, this is Advil, just a, a sleep drug. Yeah, but I don't know why. But looking back, I would like take it to like sleep for two hours, and then I'd be like, "What? Do I feel crazy." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Adam, yeah, it's funny you said feet up too, because this other story here. Wait, wait, Dan still. Dan's finishing his story. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. that's all right. Go. <laughs> oh yeah, this lady. But um, anyways, we lost cabin. We lost oxygen in the cabin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was passed out from from Advil PM. My buddy wakes me up. He's he he, he wakes he goes like this. Daniel he goes, dude dude dude. I wake up. I'm like Advil PM'd out. I look at him. The masks have dropped and terrifying. And he just goes, wake up. We're gonna die. And I go, what? And my nose starts bleeding immediately. So now my nose is bleeding. Maybe the, just let me sleep through this. Yeah, let me sleep through this. And the plane, and the plane starts. Uh, it was so intense, and the plane started like totally shaking, and it was really scary. And people are screaming. And then we make an emergency landing in Buffalo, New York. And then we landed. That I remember, just kill me. Yeah, I was. I remember, just say that. I remember the guy. We landed. I was my nose. I was like, what was my blood? And the guy next to me was like, "Fuck Buffalo." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, we almost died, dude." Dude, if the plane wasn't shaking in a turbulent fashion. And you wake up to that amount of chaos, you probably can find it in yourself to to relax and regain composure, right? But like when you wake up to just the bump oh, yeah. and grind, oh yeah, it was, and it was like there were, you know, <laughs> we've, we've all been on planes enough, but you know when there's like a wrong plane noise, you yeah. know, you're sort of like a, it was, it was like someone, it was like, this doesn't sound like my plane. That'd be great. The guy from Police Academy is just behind you. That's why they landed. They go. It was Michael Winslow in the back. Dude, can someone get Winslow off this flight? He's causing distress. Because he's from Buffalo and he didn't want to pay for the Somebody get him a check. <laughs> Somebody get him a check. Yeah, dude, oh that's God. terrifying. If an oxygen mask dropped in front of me, I think I'd fucking lose it. Yeah. Does the Michael Winslow comment make up for cutting you off on the story? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay. yeah, it's great. That was great. <laughs> um, all right, what's <laughs> what's this one? We got time for a couple more. Okay, uh, this one. And uh, us guys have all been here. Japanese firm holds bizarre funeral for sex dolls with the 
porn star officiating. Okay. Basically, I'll give you the gist of it. Guys, in Japan, sex dollars are big. They're working too much. And people will throw them out. But people have been calling the like police like, there's a dead body in the dumpster. And guys are like, well, no, that's just my sex doll. So now what they're doing is burying these things in a full funeral like progression. What's it called? Procession? Like... You have to bury your sex doll in Japan. And now what they're doing is, because these guys have like relations with them, they're doing a full funeral for their sex dolls so that they're no longer being accused of being murderers. Dear God. Yeah. No wonder we kicked their ass in World War II, too. You go, well, you know, yeah. well, there's a huge population decline in Japan, so you get paid if you start having kids. Scroll back up, Mark. Wait, that's not true. Yeah. You get a stipend from Scroll the government up. if you have up. a kid. Oh, really? Japan, because people Down. are resorting to Down. just <laughs> right sex dolls or prostitution or whatever. And there's no people, like, there's a decline in people getting married and getting together. And really? Kids. Yeah. Because of all the sex dolls. Yeah. And this was because of Whitney Cummings special. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, she, is that an official sex doll or just a, a comedy doll? That's a comedy doll. It's yeah. a comedy doll. But it could be used if Whitney I wanted to I don't think, I don't sell know. it to a fan. I don't think so. I think it's a comedy doll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the services are officiated by a porn star. Thank God. Ray Kato. <laughs> oh, she's good. <laughs> yeah yeah you have they have to be by the way that's so funny a porn star has to officiate these these services photos posted on the company's website show young or childlike female dolls completely surrounded by or holding flowers scroll down good god wait so okay so they're unwanted so inst you're a murderer if you throw them away but if you hold a, a funeral for it you're fine no you're mentally ill <laughs> Well, that, yeah. totally. I'm well, having my side of the story, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'm having my sex doll cremated, <laughs> but not the I, way you think. I, 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 I'm melting my sex doll into a crayon <laughs> to teach I, I, my kids how to spell. I didn't want to kill my sex doll. Now, now I'm drawing a rainbow. Welcome to my funeral. <laughs> I want to kill my sex doll is a great documentary title. Yeah, Netflix. Where are you on that one? <laughs> Come on. We've got an all-new meaning for Bukaki tonight at 11. <laughs> Guess what? I'd watch the news if that was a true teaser. That's a better. That's a better Instead of like, you know. Something, something. That is G.I. Joe back? <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched the news in a while. <laughs> Clearly, is G.I. Joe back? Yeah. Last time you watched the news, 1987? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would be Jesus quite. Christ. Our slinkies also for dads. Podcast. That's not that's not a bad Halloween costume too. Dress up as GI Joe, drag around a Japanese sex doll. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna dress up as Halloween next year? Am, am I gonna? You do it every year with your kids. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, got to. I am, but they're getting older now, so they might not. They kind of want to start doing their own thing. We we were like family costumes, but I think next year. I don't know, he's gone back and forth to what he wants to be and what yeah. she wants to be. So, But yeah, we always like to do something together. Good for you. You got Halloween. to. I hate those dads that are like, I'm, do, I'm an adult. I'm like, you're also a bad father. Yeah, who are those dads? Are you going to go, is that for Halloween? Because <laughs> you got the costume. <laughs> Dad, uh, remember those Remember those punchlines early on in comedy? Oh, yeah. I, I had one for sure. Oh, yeah. I had the, one. Uh, the dot, 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 mom. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had a joke about going, going on a subway and uh, uh, getting mugged. And like, I, it was something, something, something. And the punchline was like, dad, why are you on the train? <laughs> yeah. Of course it killed because I screamed and fell at the end. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. One more. Oh my God. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I love these people or I can't stand these people or if I should join these people, but this is an incredible couple in some way. Couple fake engagement to get free drinks from strangers in bars. 
Corrine Miller and Adam Carroll faked a proposal just one month into their relationship to bag free drinks from strangers in two bars. But now he's popped the question for real. Um, I like this story. It's whimsical. I feel like this is the story. It's of genius. Stuff. Proposed to her in a Holiday Inn Express lobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right um, after he went to Men's Warehouse, he went to the Holiday Inn yeah. and proposed to his girlfriend, who he's been stealing drinks with for several months. Yeah, I tell you. Also, Are they the Bonnie and Clyde of bad marriages? Yeah, I tell you. you go, the no couple t- from Alabama, obviously, <laughs> yeah. even roped in one of the bartenders and another drinker to go along with the. Cheeky Khan, make sure it all went off. This is the worst Ocean Eleven's movie of all time. By the way, is Cheeky Khan like the assless chaps of Comic Con? Yeah, it's <laughs> actually James Khan's son. It's what James Khan's son that you don't know about. Cheeky Khan. I love that Dan's writer gene just kicked in too. He goes, "That needs the word obviously right there." <laughs> <laughs> you got it, dude. You got it. Uh, also, no, you know, you just no. This is not a good way to start off a marriage. It's like. There's no chance of these people surviving. They have a clear drinking problem. <laughs> yeah. <Do> you know? <laughs> yeah. Also, they're just lying together. At least they're in it to win it. You know, yeah. that's true. The wedding's just at an AA meeting. Like, you know what? Let's just stand up and let's we'll do it here. Be if fine. any lie does go down in the first year of marriage, though, like the other one can't be surprised. Like, be like come on, we were burglars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we meant stealing from people. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Look at look at that ring I stole from that other bar patron to get to you. <laughs> By the way, she looks fired up. She looks genuine like, I'm going to put my stealing past behind me. And he's yeah. like looking at he's drunk a bag fun. of booze behind the camera guy that totally. he can steal. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, look, I know we're bad people, but let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, his face just says, fuck it. Who else is going to sign up for me? So, Dan, you did not do this with your wife? No, we did it. <laughs> we, we met at St. Nick's doing this. <laughs> that bar, that bar's not around. I, I know that bar you're talking St. about. St. Nick's R.I.P. Yeah, I know. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's like a hot chicken place now or something. Can you do that as Dean Del Rey, please? St. Nick's R.I.P. <laughs> no, uh, it's a tweet. It's a, it's a Dean tweet about St. Nick's. Oh. <laughs> hey, at St. At, at St. Nick's. Killer times there in the 90s with Slash and Axel. Follow Friday. R.I.P. <laughs> Wait, now Dean doing a, a tweet for uh, at Hagar Slacks trying to get some free pants. <clears throat> when I'm on stage, there's nothing more comfortable and stylish than Hagar Slacks. At me for sponsorship. Hashtag partnership. <laughs> Hashtag Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I can't drive 55. <laughs> Because I am 55. <laughs> uh, Dan, are you uh, are you going to do more stand-up? Um, I'm starting to write some new jokes. Yeah. 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 You're so fucking good on stage, man. I That's the one thing that I was like, I hope he doesn't get so successful in the TV world that you don't stay, you know, stay on stage somehow. Yeah, yeah. Because you're no, so I, good. No, thank you. No, I, I've been, I was looking through my phone. I have some jokes. I just want to like write new jokes. I want to like do new jokes. Good I don't want to go and, you know, like ever. I'll have like every once in a while I have to like, you know, host some sort of event for yeah. some sort of thing that someone asked me to do and I forget that I said yes to. So I show up there and I'll, I pull out like a notebook and I'm like, fuck these jokes about my kids who are that three. I'm like, these Hilarious. five years old. Yeah, like, I'm it's sure crazy you- having a three year old, huh? <laughs> You want my kids in college? (laughs) (laughs) There is something, though, about the, I mean, you're always writing, but it's like, it's a different brain, right? To be writing for TV and then to sit down and write your own shit for stand-up, right? Yeah, yeah. Writing for their voice, for your voice. Of course, yes. And it's a lot of like, but then there's been a lot of like story ideas that, you know, 
are straight from uh, it's basically like so stand up y that we would pitch and they'd be like, this doesn't seem like a right story. So yeah. there's some stuff I have sort of that I just need to start go over. But that's my plan the next few months is yeah. to go up on stage and write some yokes. Well, especially when uh, when Indebted comes into like season 10, then you're going to have to do a, you're going to, your stand up tour will be well oiled and greased at that point. And people are going to, you know, people are going to be like, hey, Dan, where's your, where's your comedy sex doll? And I'm going to be like, it's right here. It's in Japan. It's burning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're on Dan, at Dan Levy on Instagram and yes, yeah, at Dan Levy Show on Instagram, right. and I'm at Dan Levy, but I'm not, I'm not really active on Twitter. Okay, what about yeah. the show's uh, handles? The shows are at NBC Indebted um, on Instagram, and then you are. know, yeah, check it out. And then nine thirties NBC Thursday after Will and Grace. You can also w- watch it on uh, Hulu the next day. Great, really, you can watch it any, any anytime anywhere. There's the NBC app. Great. Um, there's Hulu. Uh, and there's other glad that they're all they all figured that out. They all figured it out because to not like, be able to get it now the next day is just like I mean this yeah. is why CW's Mad TV. R.I.P. Dean. Ah, oh, R.I.P. I tried to get on there. They couldn't have me. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how we talk. <laughs> what like, I know him and I'm what? like, this is, what happened to him? Did he have a stroke? <laughs> it's my favorite impression. It's better than Baldwin's Trump. It gets me laughing. <laughs> and I like Dean. Who says this? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like not having stuff up the next day for people to consume right away. You just yeah, have people to people don't watch TV at the time it's on. Um, but fella, watch it. Watch it. It's so good. If you love, uh, if you love to laugh and you love a good family sitcom with heart and edge, that's the one thing I was impressed too. Like you, uh, you got enough of that family dynamic that was like believable. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where you watch it and you go, oh cool, there's something in here for everybody in every family. Because sometimes due to a family show, like even Roseanne, like I think embodied enough of it, but like, some stuff you're just like, no, like there's, you know, a lot of families that just can't relate to whatever, but like the the issues that you have in, in uh, the episodes that I've seen and read, like are across the board. Everyone's, awesome. everyone's got that to relate to. Yeah. So you crushed it. Thank you. I'm so pumped for you. Thanks for having me here. I love this new studio. It's great, right? All Fellas, right. Peanut Gallery, where can we find you? Markscomedy.com has all my social media on there. At Sandy Danto, that, you know, whatever. And Sandy's going to book this commercial today. Yeah. Plus, As a yeah. Hagar Slack salesman. <laughs> Uh, All right, watching Dead at Thursdays, 9.30, and uh, we'll see you next week. Ziplining across a vast valley, roasting s'mores beside the lake, whitewater rafting, relaxing beside an ocean view pool. Well, trying to at least. There are lots of great things to dream about doing in South Carolina. So when you're ready to visit, South Carolina is ready to make those dreams a reality. From a classic road trip to a relaxing weekend getaway, South Carolina is open for discovery. Start planning today at discoversouthcarolina.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.